came out with sets of numbers and I plotted them on pieces of paper. Radio waves, radio waves, she sees radio waves, radio waves, astrophys brings the news, arrays and dishes give different views, are you confused? Radio waves, radio waves, radio waves, she sees radio waves, she sees radio waves. Welcome to the Astrophys Podcasts. In a world that's changing rapidly, we are making a change to our podcast format so you'll keep getting a fresh astrophys every two weeks. We're splitting our content, so one episode each month will be dedicated to a new guest interview in the fields of radio astronomy, optical astronomy, space science, or particle physics. Also each month, you will get your regular presenter, Dr. Ian Astroblog Musgrave, in a separate episode where who will preview a sky guide for you for the coming month. And he will also take you on an astronomical journey of discovery in Ian's Tangent. So this is episode 102 with Dr. Ian Astroblog Musgrave. We are also starting each episode with a community service announcement. First of all, wash your hands very well and often, and isolate as much as possible as we work our way through the coronavirus crisis. Also, climate change is real and accelerating, and we need to keep coal in the ground and urgently transition to renewable energy sources. See what you can do to influence your local politicians to develop planet-saving policies. So let's cross over to Adelaide and hear from Ian right now. Hello and welcome to the monthly edition of What's Up Doc, What's Up in the Sky for the month of this podcast. It's a new monthly format. This podcast is going to cover the month sky from the 16th of April to the 16th of March. Let's start by looking at the evening skies. Bright Venus, which has been gracing our evening skies for many months now and being our bright companion of the early twilight, remains in the early twilight for the period we're talking about. In Australia, Venus is not very high above the horizon, but in the northern hemisphere, Venus is quite high and so very easy to see. Venus starts out this period below the V-shaped Hyades cluster. Uh, this forms the head of Taurus the bull with the bright red star Aldebaran forming its eye and forming a nice counterpoint to bright white Venus. During this time, Venus moves away from the Hyades, following along the outlines of the horns of the bull until it comes close to the bright star Elnap, also known as Beta Tauri. It's closest to Beta Tauri on the 9th of May, and where it's just around a finger width apart from this bright blue-white star, and then it starts to return back and coming close to the horizon. 
Now, Venus is at its most brilliant on the 28th of April. However, from about the 25th, the waxing moon begins to interfere with uh, Venus's light, swamping it. And on the 26th to the 27th, the crescent moon is near Venus itself. So with Venus being near its maximum brightness, you have the opportunity to see Venus casting shadows. So if you find somewhere reasonably dark, somewhere where you can align a stick or some object with Venus, you might be able to see the faint shadow cast by this brilliant planet. Venus is at maximum brightness when it's a crescent phase. And during this month, Venus goes from a distinct half moon shape to a very thin crescent. And on the occasion of uh, it being close to El Nath, Venus is a very thin crescent, which should be observable both easily in small telescopes and possibly in uh, large binoculars, 10 by 50 or greater. And that's the early evening sky. Now let's turn to the morning sky from the 16th of April on. Starts with four bright planets in the early morning sky. From the highest to the lowest, we go Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, and then low down on the horizon, Mercury. Mercury is in the first half, in this latter half, of uh, April will uh, sink towards the horizon and vanish. On the 16th, the crescent moon is within this lineup, and in fact, it's between Saturn and Mars. And on the 17th, uh, the crescent moon is below Mars, making a very attractive lineup early in the morning. Moving on, the moon slides down towards the horizon, and on the 22nd, it is very close to uh, Mercury. However, the pair are, are deep within the morning twilight and you should be looking around about 30 minutes before sunrise, but they could be quite difficult to see. So you may need binoculars to pick up the crescent moon and Mercury. Now, Jupiter and Saturn are now begin to be visible before midnight and are relatively easy to see in the late evening. Again, after the moon has passed through Venus, it uh, heads towards uh, the uh, trio of bright planets again. And on the 12th of May, the moon is between Jupiter and Saturn, forming a very nice triangle. Over this time, Jupiter and Saturn come close together, um, but they, they never come extremely close, maintaining about at the, uh, around about four finger width distance during this time. Now, I'd like to point out that while the Northern Hemisphere is favoured for Venus in the evening, the Southern Hemisphere is favoured for the planetary lineup in the morning. So, Southern Hemisphere, we see the four bright planets uh, nearly vertical in the sky, making a very nice view. In the Northern Hemisphere, you'll see the bright planets very low down on the horizon, not getting very high but they will look beautiful nonetheless. Now, as well as the planets, we have the Penelope of stars. And as we see Orion, which has been with us through the southern summer and the northern winter, is now disappearing below the horizon. And rising in the late evening is Scorpius the Scorpion. In Greek mythology, a scorpion was set in the sky to chase the hunter Orion around the sky perpetually. In the, the local Ghana mythology, 
O'Reilly's 102, Tininyara. And Scorpius is not a scorpion, but for many of the uh, Indigenous uh, peoples of Southern Australia, it's an evil emu called the Chishingle, or rather the scorpion, the uh, constellation of Scorpio itself is not the evil emu fully. It forms the fringe of stars around the uh, emu. Chishingle is one of the dark constellations where the main part of the constellation is formed by the dark rifts in the Milky Way. So the head of the emu is the coal sack underneath the Southern Cross, its neck a long rift, and then its body formed by uh, more dusty regions towards the galaxy centre, and what we think of as Scorpio is the fringe of feathers around the, the emu's body. This heralds, of course, the coming of the uh, galactic centre season. The galactic centre is now uh, uh, relatively easy to see in the late evening for uh, the period we're talking about, hosting its, its penelope of clusters and uh, nebula, as well as some globular clusters. So the area around uh, the tail of Scorpius into Sagittarius the Archer or the body of uh, Tishingle, the evil emu, is a happy hunting ground for us with uh, binoculars and will make uh, a very pleasant uh, evening's hunting. So this gives us lots of, uh, lots of things to uh, view, and so I wish you all happy hunting, a good viewing, and clear skies. As well as uh, during this uh, podcast period, we have the Eater Aquarium Meteor Shower. This occurs on the 5th of May, um, but the peak will be in uh, different time zones depending where you are. For example, in Australia, the peak rates are on the mornings of the 6th and the 7th, uh, and you should check your local times for, for when the uh, meteor shower peaks. The meteor shower, Aquarium uh, meteor shower is a uh, quite reliable shower with a uh, ZHR, that's a zenith horizontal rate of about 50. Um, but I should remind you that ZHR is the rate of meteors you would expect to see if you're under a clear moonless skies with the radiant that is the origin of the meteor shower directly overhead. Of course, especially in Australia and for many other countries, the Aquarian uh, radiant is uh, not overhead but is uh, relatively low and so you'll lose a number of meteors to both the horizon murk and the horizon itself as the meteors start their burn below your line of sight. Also this year moonlight will substantially interfere. In Australia for example the radiant doesn't rise until about 2am and it's not at a reasonable height for meteor viewing until about 3.30. On the 6th the, uh, the uh, waxing moon uh, sets around about uh, 5 o'clock and on the 7th the waxing moon sets uh, around 6.15. So yeah, uh, expect to see significant impacts on the rates. So the Leonid uh, meteor shower uh, flux estimator uh, predicts that we'll see a meteor around about uh, one meteor every four minutes uh, from Australia uh, and you may expect to see rates similar to that uh, elsewhere in the world. However, it is a really nice meteor shower and the uh, one every four minutes doesn't mean you'll see one every four minutes like clockwork, 
what will usually happen is you'll see the occasional meteor and uh, for within a long stretch of time and then a flurry of meteors. Uh, the Eater Aquarians are, are rather nice meteors and so it's well worth getting up in the morning to see these. Um, however, I would uh, suggest you find yourself a nice place where you can block out the light of the moon with a tree or a building or something like that uh, just to uh, give your uh, eyes uh, a good chance of seeing uh, the fainter meteors. Make sure, of course, that you're out looking uh, about five minutes before you start seriously looking, so give your time, eyes time to adapt. Uh, luckily, the moon will be fairly low on the uh, to the western horizon, so you should be able to have, even though the skies will not be uh, darkest, the, uh, the skies will be uh, uh, not uh, really bright, and you should have some chance to see some nice meteors. So again, be sensible in the places you choose. Don't choose locations where you're likely to get mugged. Uh, stay safe and have a really good meteor observing uh, time. Thanks, Ian. And here's Ian's Tangent. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this month's Tangent. Uh, you may remember in our last Tangent, I discussed the, the mini-moon of Earth. This is the uh, euphoniously named 2020 CD3. The moon was announced in February and uh, at that time the astronomers had thought the little moon had been circling Earth for at least a year, possibly even longer. And by little I really do mean little, it's probably only about two to three metres in size and of course was naturally uh, doomed to be snatched away by the sun. And snatched away it was. By March the 7th it had resumed its sun-centred orbit instead of the complicated uh, dance it had around the sun. But now on to the main tangent. We're talking about things lost, like our mini-moon. And Comet C2019Y4 Atlas has been lost. It's disintegrated. Comet Atlas was generating a lot of excitement because it was a very good candidate for a bright comet. It was brightening rapidly and brightening on a curve that suggested it would become exceedingly bright possibly as bright as magnitude zero after it had um, done its dance around the sun, providing, of course, that it didn't break up as it went around the sun. And so in late May, we were all anticipating that we would possibly have a uh, quite bright comet, even with a long tail like we saw for Comet C2006P1 McNaught sticking up above the horizon for us in southern hemisphere where we wouldn't see the comet very high in the sky. So we're all getting enormously excited. However, it wasn't to be. On April 5th, the comet was reported to have split and later observations show that it had been broken into at least four pieces. The latest images show a sad trail of debris which is fading. There was a recent kick up in brightness, um, but that's nothing to get excited about. It's probably due to fragments disintegrating and causing a lot of dust. Now, this is hardly the first time this has happened. Comet Shoemaker-Levy 9 famously broke apart and its fragments slammed into Jupiter. The notorious comet C2020X1 Elenin, the source of so many conspiracy theories and uh, tales of the Earth ending, broke apart as it approached the Sun and didn't even get to the Sun to generate a lot of excitement. C2012S1 Ison was another comet which gained a lot of notoriety, but it 
survived its passage of the sun, but disintegrated soon after. In contrast, C, the 2011 W3 Lovejoy, skipped over the surface, survived for a little while, but then broke up. Unlike Ison, the trail of dust and debris left a magnificent, if pale, tail in the morning skies, which was very memorable. Sadly, C slash 2019 Y poor Atlas broke up as it was crossing the orbit of Mars, so we're unlikely to see any nice display resulting from the debris rounding the sun. So why do promising comets like C slash 2019 Y4 Atlas break up? Well, as comet hunter David Levy once wrote, comets are like cats. They have tails and do precisely what they want. Now, comets are famously icy dirt balls, or dirty ice balls, depending on where they come from and how often they've been around the sun. As we know from the Rosetta spacecraft, other close spacecraft uh, approaches, and shooting copper bullets into comets, we know that comets are fragile. They've got about the density and the strength of a snowbank with an icy coating. So you can imagine that something as simple as the pressures from the gases that are released from inside the comet as it heats up may be enough to break it up. Indeed, it's a wonder any comets managed to make it around the sun and return. One famous comet, 332p Ikea Murakam, may have broken up simply because it was spinning too fast. So unlike the stars, except Betelgeuse, and the planets on their fixed courses, comets give us mystery and excitement, anticipation and disappointment like no other celestial object. However, as Comet Atlas fades, a new comet has been found. This new comet, C slash 2020 F8 Swan, may also become brightish. In fact, it may become as bright as magnitude 3. They are not as exciting as magnitude 0, which would make it as bright, uh, which uh, Atlas could have been as bright as some of the brightest stars in the sky. It might become as bright as magnitude 3, which is a little dimmer than uh, Delta Crucis, around about May 12. However, it also might get no brighter than magnitude 6. Remember David Levi, comets will do precisely what they want. We still haven't got a good handle on why some comets perform well and some comets perform badly in terms of what we want to see, brightness and bright tails. Now, although it's relatively bright, it may be very hard to spot in the twilight as it makes its closest approach to the sun but it will be a halfway decent binocular comet for us. It's better for those of us in the Southern Hemisphere rather than the Northern Hemisphere, and I'll post some charts later on. Anyway, that's it for the, the tangent. You may be interested that even the interstellar comet that came through a little while ago managed to break off a fragment. So comets uh, are endlessly interesting, but may endlessly disintegrate just when we want them to stay apart. Okay, that's it for the tangent, and uh, keep yourself together, unlike Comet Atlas. Thanks, Ian, and don't forget you can find all the star charts and astronomical events for the next month by checking out Ian's astro blog and his excellent website, Southern Skywatch. Just put astro blogger or Southern Skywatch into your favourite search engine, and Ian always comes up as number one. And don't forget to get the latest space news from Rami Mandal on his fabulous SpaceAustralia.com website. And another great astro podcast to catch 
is The Scientists, with Dr. Ankel Sanchez-Lopez and PhD candidate Kirsten Banks. So in two weeks' time, in our next interview-only episode, we speak with Clint Jeffrey, an amateur radio astronomer who works on the technologies for an 8.5-metre dish constructed by the Radio Astronomy Section of the Astronomical Society of Victoria in Australia. The dish is located in a quiet zone in a rural area about 130 kilometres north of Melbourne, and they've just achieved first light, with a successful observation of a redshift of a small Magellanic cloud and galactic hydrogen inside the Milky Way. You'll love it. And in four weeks' time, you'll hear back from Dr. Ian Musgrave with his May-June sky guide and another fantastic astronomical tangent. Till then, take care, look after yourself and your loved ones. Radio Wave.